podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Westra is Bester from the Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire with me, Lee G. Joining me as always is Big M. How are we, Martin? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm really good. So before we crack on with, with the other stuff, how many bags of Haribo have you got to get through for, for the pod? Oh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I got six bags. But just to put it in, to, you know, some context, they're not the big, big bags, they're the little multi-pack ones. My daughter had a birthday party yesterday, and I've got all the leftover sweetie corns. So <gasps> I'm, I'm having a good day today. That's always the way, though, isn't it? After a, a, a kid's birthday, and you spend the rest of the week eating, like, um, that pointless kid's food. Like, we had a, 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 a space-themed birthday for one of our kids. And do you remember when you were small, you used to get little UFO things that were like paper um, yeah, the, planets. The space. Yeah, yeah, and they had the like a sherbet inside. That's the ones, yeah. So like yeah. none of the kids had them and they were loads. And that was like the whole of the rest of the week was just, you know, you used to put them on your tongue and they'd melt. And you just had to kind of sit there going, until, until they melted. So I love all of that stuff. Should do more of that. Well, that's a bit wrong, won't it? I quite like seven-year-olds ah, birthday no, parties. <laughs> Sounds wrong. You've got to do what you enjoy, man. It's it's awesome. Like I, I'm not a fan of those sherbet uh, saucer things, but you know everything else. Like the amount of rainbow drops I got in, the, in these corns is unreal. I'm really gonna have some fun more. <laughs> have you got squirty cream though? Rainbow drops and squirty cream when you kind of mix it all together. You could go squeaky cream and then dump a load of of um, rainbow tots on them. It's lovely. I have never done that, but I'm very, very interested. Got to be that's, done, that's man. My, that's my Tuesday night sorted now. <laughs> that's tea for tonight, then. <laughs> uh, right, let's let's talk some rugby. Let's talk some rugby, mate. Um, so we'll leave some Scarlet stuff till till after. Because there's actually, you know, it was last week of the season, effectively. Although officially, I think this weekend is the last week of the season. I think there's one game to be played. Um, but last weekend was effectively <clears throat> wrapping up the season. So let's kick off then with the championship. So uh, Narbeth had a a decent win again away in uh, uh sorry at home against Trabanos, which we were expecting you know we yeah. were expecting that so there was no great shock there and they did then overtake uh Cardiff Met and end up in uh fifth so 78 points you know as a as a decent respectable kind of uh position Especially seen as how close they pushed Pontypool twice. You know, Pontypool haven't lost all season, and Narbeth pushed them really close both times. So, you know, I think that's a good season for Narbeth. Uh, yeah, we've said multiple times. You know, it's it's the same finish as last season, but you know, 
the the improvements in Pontypool and East Bargoid, and especially Estradron that finishing in fifth is is an improvement again for Narbat, just to say where they are. And it was the, the midweek game down in Ely against Glamorgan Wanderers. That's what secured them the, the fifth spot. So they, they really were able to go out and relax and have a bit of fun against Trabanos. And I think that's why there was, you know, such such a heavy score in a, a few tries leagues so was it 46-28. So, you know, entertaining game on the weekend. But, mm. you know, it all it all boards well for the future. I mean, looking at the way the championship is being split, you know, Bargoid and Estradronda, the only two teams above them, they are obviously going to be in the East category. So, you know, Narbath have basically got everything to play for to win Championship West. However, it's incarnated next season. So there is potential for Narbath to get into the Premiership, which I, I think would be outstanding. Yeah, and I think when you look at most of those sides in that league, um, you know, most of them are yeah. East. There aren't many... Westerly, uh, uh, I mean, I suppose you could put Tata Steel, maybe, but Tata, Salavera, Trabanos, um, Maestega, really bordering all the rest are all Eastern teams. Yeah, I'd put Maestega's East. I, I'm just thinking of where the cut is and where they're going to mm. have to have these teams with the 12 that are coming up. So because you're going to yeah. have to pick six sides from this league to go into West. So, yeah. you know, it, it is figuring out where that is. Yeah, I think that's a difficult bit for next year, isn't it? Because there are some sides in there that you'd go, how how do you even come close to calling that West? Obviously, Narbeth, West. But, you know, you might get to a ridiculous stage where Cardiff Met is... Uh, 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 in the Western League, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm imagining they're going to be saying somewhere along the lines of Bridge End is the halfway point, yeah. which is you know quite funny when you think about it. Okay, so decent finish for Narbeth. Um, I think it was uh, uh, all in all through that season. I think there's been improvements, and like you say, there's been a couple of iffy games that you look at now when you go. You know they finished in fifth, but really they they lost to um, I think it was Bedwas, and I can't remember. I think it was Belay as well. But sides below them that they really should have put away. Um, but I think going forward, I, you know Narbeth is starting to bring through a couple of local players, uh, local youngsters as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's looking good, but. And this is always going to be the bit that's going to be a butt for Narbeth is the, the structure of the ground, the physicality of the ground, that it just it doesn't work for them if they want to be at the top end. It's you know the pitches are great. You know, don't get me wrong, the 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 two main pitches that they play on are fantastic. So your main pitch, training pitch. But there's no gym facilities there. There's the parking facilities aren't there. You know, it it just it's it's got so much potential. And let's not forget, Narbeth is a tiny little village. You know, it's not you know it's not a big massive place or by any chalk of the imagination. 
So if if they're serious about going and doing something better, then that's got to be the focus over the next couple of seasons. It's got to be, you know, how you develop a, a strong yeah. And and then how you fill that infrastructure with local people and local players coming to you know to want to play for Narbeth. So Yeah. Well, to be fair, I think we, we've committed to help in Narbeth's car park, haven't we? That was one of our goals <laughs> at the start of the season. But yeah. uh, I think our current balance is zero pound and zero pence. So it's, it's not going as well as we'd hoped. Yeah, it's just one of it's one of those things that uh, could could Narbeth has got so much potential for being you know an expert, and I I think the the way to do it, and this is just me thinking out loud. Yeah, we've got the cricket pitch right next to it. Cricket pitch has got a massive tree right in the middle of it. Um, if the cricket team, either the cricket team or the rugby team, have to relocate. And their ground gets taken by the other thing. And it, it makes more sense for the cricket team to relocate to a new ground um, just outside the town, which wouldn't be a massive stretch for them. Um, and that would then allow the area that is now the cricket pitch, you know, that could be the car park and it could be the gym and it could be an extended clubhouse. Um, you know, it, it could be so many uh, things. You've got some plans for you. Well, no, we I need just... to get you in this committee. Going, look, boys, this is what we need to do. Well, it's it's the money, <laughs> isn't it? And and there are so many people in Narbeth Cricket Club that are linked to Cardiff Rugby, um, Cardiff to Narbeth Rugby Club. You know, the two kind of go hand in hand and always have. You know, you you do one in the summer, you do one in the winter sort of a thing. So they've always been very close. But I think Narbeth now, if, with all the changes that are going to go on over the next couple of seasons and the opportunities that are going to be there, that's they, they need to have that serious think about how do you, you know, how do you get to the stage where you're competing on a level with the likes of Neath and Pontypool, because that's got to be the aim. That's got to be the aim of next couple of seasons. How do you get to that stage where you're actually competing in the top level? So that's my bit on Narbeth, but don't don't take anything away from, you know, I thought they've had a fantastic season um, and they're doing really well. I, I, I just, I would like to see them kick on and just take it to the next level. That's, that's what I would like to see. It's what we want for everybody, really. Yes. Well, speaking of the next level, let's have a look at, at Division One, which, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, finish that you can't fault the finish to the season in Division One. So, Sangenich finished top on 99 points, uh, Newcastle Emlyn on second, 90 points, Krimich third on 88 points, all three of them now get promoted. So that's three of the, the West sides to go into the championship for next season. That is the structure, isn't it? They'll they'll go up into championship West. Am I right there? Yeah. That is bang on as far as we currently know it. Right. Okay. So 
we've then got, and I mean, in terms of the season, I thought Krimich, I thought Krimich were having by far and away the best season up until the last couple of weeks. And then the last couple of weeks, uh, it all kind of went to pot. But then the last couple of weeks, they played Klangenich and Newcastle Emelin, um two teams above them. So, you know, and I, again, you know, Krimich, tiny little village, smaller than Narbeth. You know, it's only about eight miles, nine miles away from Narbeth. Um, so for them to turn it, no, it's got to be more than that. Must be about 10, 15 miles away. Anyway, for them as that tiny little village to be able to turn in a performance that is putting them, you know, on the same level as Narbeth next year is absolutely outstanding. You know, when I was playing, Krimich didn't have a team. They they were classed as a junior union team back then, if you can remember that. So Krimich and St. Clair's were both classed. Uh, uh, I wasn't I wasn't born then, mate, sorry. <laughs> well, back back in the day, they used to be classed as a, a junior union side. So you used to have to play a couple of seasons against like second teams and what have you. Um to prove that you could fulfill fixtures and you could, you know, you deserve to be in the in the league. So, you know, Krimic is not an old club. It's a it's quite a young club. Um so for them to be able to compete with the likes of Newcastle Emlyn and, and Frank Genich and next season, you know, to be in with the big boys is uh you know full credit to the to the boys at Krimic. And but same again with Krimic. So Krimic have extended their their ground. They've extended their uh, so they they used to just have the main training pitch to the side. They then bought the field behind the the, the training pitch, um, and that's now kind of like the the minis section and and what have you. But it's the car parking. You know the 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 car parking. If if you're gonna try and attract a couple of hundred, you know, a thousand people to your ground, um, which has got to be your ambition, you know. You need to think about where are we going to put these cars? And and that's the bit that I think Krimach are, are going to struggle with now is because the ambition is there. You know, the ambition is definitely there, and rightly so. They've got some good players coming through. Um, they've got they have got a good system through the junior ranks. So it's the physicality of that ground and how that goes forward now uh, over the next couple of seasons. But uh, this, this is turning into everybody needs a bloody car park. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those things you've got to think of. You know, you, you, you do have to think of, if you're going to play at the bigger levels, you have to think of, you know, how are you going to, you know, how are you going to manage the clubhouse? How are you going to, um, it's things like toilets, it's car parking, it's it's facilities, it's you know, so Krimic have just put in a, a a gym a couple of seasons ago and stuff like that. You know, where's your training ground, where's your physio rooms and all this? And I think so many of the older clubs are now struggling because the game has changed so much and they've got facilities that are quite old and quite kind of rigid. Um and, and and changing them takes a lot of money. And as we all know, the money just isn't in the game at the minute. So so anyway, 
Looking down the table then, we've got Aberystwyth in sixth position uh, on 61 points. Um, so they they were a 10 and 10. Yeah, it was... Uh, it's not a winning season. It's not a losing season. Won 10, lost 10, drew 2. So... I think they'll be quite disappointed, to be honest, yeah. to, to be there. Um, yes. Some of the results Aberith put out, they, they were they were more than capable of hanging around that, that top three bunch. It's just they've just fallen away and had some you know, some silly silly losses and just haven't performed on occasion, which obviously is disappointing for the club, but hoping those sort of issues they can manage in the off season. And you know, try and have a good run next year, and potentially be in with a shout of either promotion or, or winning the league, because that is where they are at with mm. this mass promotion going around everywhere. You know, mm. finishing sixth means that 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 puts you in top three next year automatically. Mm. So it it is going to be really interesting going forward for Aberystwyth because they're more than capable. Of you know being the best of the rest, as they say. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think, particularly given their geographical location, where they've got the university, and there's not a lot of stuff around Aberystwyth. You know, the closest club is Aberaeron, so you know they they could be and should be drawing in lots of people from further out wide and just going right. Okay, we're going to be, you know, the beacon in the west. Or in the Midwest, we're, we're going to be the ones that you all want to come to. We're going to be the team you want to see play. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think they've got a lot of potential, particularly with the university players. Um, but it would be nice to see them turn that in consistently. So talking of consistent, uh, we've got Whitland, two off the bottom. So they've won three games this season and they finished on 11 points. And then we've got Pembroke at the bottom of the table. The most consistent team all year. Yeah, lost 22. So let's do do Whitland first. I mean, Whitland used to be one of the powerhouses. Yeah. And I I think the, the, the growth of St. Clair's and Lan has kind of come at the cost of Whitland. I think a lot of players that previously might have migrated to Whitland have stayed where they were. You know, two, three seasons ago, Whitland-Narbeth was the Boxing Day clash. And quite often, Whitland would come out on top in that game. So I think now that Narbeth have kind of gone on and kicked on, I think the players that might have gone to Whitland, they've now either gone Narbeth or they've gone Sinclair's and Lan coming up. And and I think that's, you know, that's how I'm reading the situation. I might be a complete mile off, you know, but I certainly think from where Whitland used to be, they're, they're just not there now. They're just not there. And I think this is the new normal now for Whitland. I genuinely do. Well, let's hope not. Let's hope that there is some form of way back. And this is just one massive blip of a season. 
because mm. you know it is it it will be really strange not seeing Whitland in you know the the top end of the leagues. You know it is quite weird. You know seeing them in the bottom half of Division One. Mm. So you know it's it's not it's not a good thing for the club, obviously. But you know other clubs are coming to the forefront. So it's, it's you're looking at you know how do we balance. And say, let's say two or three clubs start doing really well, but one has to suffer. You know, mm. it's it's always those sort of balancing acts that you find, well, you find in every sport that go through the leagues. Teams rise, teams fall. Mm. It's just hope Whitland don't fall too far. Well, the irony of that is, is that when Whitland were all singing and dancing, they did exactly the stuff that I suggested for you know Narbuth and and Krummer. You know, they. The stand is superb, and it's got a gym built in underneath. Um, pitch is excellent. It's got a nice big car park. They've got training facilities away from the ground. So, you know, they have done the bits that you need to do to kind of um, grow the club. But, like I say, I think they've been hammered with the likes of so Krimic would have pulled players, St. Clair's would have pulled players, Narbeth would have pulled players. So, yeah, it's uh, we shall keep an eye on that one. But I, I can't see Whitland regaining that 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 Tower of the West kind of title that they've had for quite a long time. And then we got Pembroke propping up the bottom there on minus sixteen. So we, we'll talk about minus sixteen in a minute. But you know, Pembroke, Pembroke got to Division One by going. Uh, they won Division Three unbeaten. They won Division Two. I think they lost one game when they won Division Two, and then they came straight up. So it was it was a rapid rise. Um, and again, I think a lot of this was based on pulling players in from likes of Narbeth, likes of Tembe, uh, you know, even Haverford West. Uh, there were a couple of key players that were 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 coming to Pembroke and everything was all singing or dancing and then COVID hit and a couple of players retired. A couple of players went back to previous clubs. Players were struggling to, you know, do the away travel. You know, that when, when you're playing division three and even division two, the, the away games aren't that bad. You know, it's still quite local. Um, but if you, you know, Hendy, Gowerton, Aberystwyth, Plessy every week. You know, those are those are hefty old. It's an hour and a half each trip, uh, so it's it's a hefty old journey. And I think players just got kind of, I don't know, a bit kind of fed up with it. In all honesty, so it's it's a massive rebuilding program, for Pembroke, and it and it has to come yeah. from them. Yeah, it's not just you know a couple hours in the afternoon like you would have a home game. It is, that is excessive travel and it is one of the stark realities that, you know, you have to face if you're, if you're in Pembrokeshire because, mm. you know, what a dozen clubs in Pembrokeshire and then literally everyone else is elsewhere in the country and they're all, and they're all clustered. Mm. So, I mean, there's, I can go probably seven miles either side of me and we're talking a dozen clubs within that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a massive difference between even Carmarthenshire and Pembrokeshire, and even worse going up into Ceredigion. 
But, yeah. but you know, it's, it's, it's not something you will see again. But you know, the the minus sixteen, that's that that's hurtful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And you know, so that's I think you get deducted four points for every game you don't play, don't you? So that's I don't that's think what... it's every game. I think they you get it for whatever reasons. Like if you have like a genuine reason or whatever, it's yeah. I think it's when you don't make an attempt to rearrange yeah. or whatever it is. Well, when you look at that league, the bottom five teams have all had points deducted. You know, this is Division One, and, you know, five teams have had points deducted. I mean, some, something there has got to say that something isn't working. Do, do you know what I mean? Um, Maybe it is the travel. Maybe it is, but then, you know, I remember when I was playing quite a few years ago, um, we played against the likes of Gowerton, Gosaino, Naborustwith back then. Uh, yeah, played against Narbuth and uh, in, in friendlies or what have you. But you know, we we were playing against these teams. We were travelling um, up and down Wales and all that kind of stuff. So it may be it's it's a, a thing over a period of time that this has just worn clubs down. Where you know, I think COVID. Has hit people and and we haven't quite got supporters back through the gate. Um, you know, I haven't been to see Pembroke uh, play since um, since uh, uh, COVID, and it's literally, you know, I can I can see the training pitch from my back garden. I can see the training pitch now. So you know, it's not like a massive effort for me to go and see Pembroke play. I just don't want to, you know. It's it's and, and I think that's the challenge. Wow. That a lot. I, well, no, it's like I'll go and I, I might watch kind of ten fifteen minutes. I stopped in one day when I was I was walking past. I watched ten fifteen minutes of a game, and it wasn't a great day. It was quite rainy and what have you. And I just went, oh, I'm gonna stand here for a thing and watch them get a kick in, you know. So yeah, I don't know if I'm I'm the same as everyone else. But we we need to do something to re-engage people with going to watch local rugby. That's I think that's what we need to do, and I think there needs to be a change of a change of marketing, a change of support, a change of emphasis on that local rugby um, that says this is what we're going to do. So maybe that's something that we need to do in future episodes, and we just have a look at you know how do you. How do you solve this? I know, I, I I know in my head what I do, but you know, it's it's trying to get that through to people that this is what could happen, and then there's the reality of actually, you know, <laughs> this is what we've done in the past, and this has worked, and this is what I'm, and you need people to do it. You need a lot of people. You need a lot of volunteers to make these clubs work nowadays, and. I don't think those people are there either. So, but we'll save that one for another pod, mate. Another pod, another day. That's but... a lot of pods we've got saved up now. <laughs> I'm relying on you to tell me what pods we've got saved, mate, because it's uh, uh, I lose track now. <laughs> I, I just sit there and I go, yeah, we'll talk about that on another pod another day, and, and I hope that you remind me at some point. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. Uh, 
Pembroke, crap season. Uh, if things can only get better, but it has to come from within uh, for them, for me. So, Division 2. This is where it gets a bit more positive in Division 2, I think. Yeah, we've got some results to go through for this one. Go on, and you, you take us through the results from last weekend. Well, there was only two games that we really were, you know, involved in. And that was, first one was Fishguard at home to Burryport. And then the big one, Nantgaredig against Tembi. And, you know, Burryport, Nantgaredig and Tembi, they started the day all with the possibilities of going up. Hmm. Now, Tembi had to beat Nantgaredig. Nantgaredig had to beat Tembi. So, you know, in Nantgaredig, it was always going to be a hard, hard game. But, you know, Tembi managed to do it. They done it. They came out 28-21 on top. So, you know, everything Tembi had to do in their own control, they did it magically. It was brilliant. All they needed to do then was hope the fish guard could somehow hold out Burry Port. <laughs> and we've seen fish guard through the season pull some magnificent performances out, had some really cracking results. But it just wasn't to be on this day. And Burry Port ran out 35-12 winners. And Burryport were the, the magic team of the three that get promoted. But Tembi do finish in fourth place, which, again, with three teams being promoted, they're the best of the rest. They, they're champions-elect going into next season's two West, so to speak. Mm. And that's got to be a bit gutting for you. You know, when if, if you're Nankaredig, last Saturday morning, you started in third place and, and you finished... Uh, last Saturday in fifth. And that's, that's got to be uh, a bit of a kick in. But, you know, full credit to everybody that played because that's, you know, they played right up to the end of the season and gave everything right up to the end of the season. And again, in this this league, you know, there's only two sides have had points deducted and one of them was Fishguard and that was, you know, iffy at best so maybe it is the the distance of travel the amount of supporters that you can get that has kind of really created uh, uh, a good kind of atmosphere in this this league um you know Tembe used to Tembe used to be in the same league as Whitland and Narbuth you know they used to be division 1 teams so for them to now almost be starting to go back up again um, is a good thing. But to miss out by two points is... Uh, oh, yeah, uh, that's This is so hard. And obviously, we, we followed them all season. And if we look just at their win-loss, they've won 14 and they've lost eight. Mm. Now, in those eight games, I can pick out five of them where there's less than a score in there. So uh, one try or even just one penalty in those games would have resulted in them be promoted. Mm. It, it is that close. Like They lost three points to Carmarthen Athletic at home. They lost six points to Bridgeport away, one point to Kidwelly away. Now, this is one big game where they really messed up which you know, we didn't expect at the time, was when they lost 20 points to 18 against Milford Haven. 
Mm. You know, they put one penalty over in that game. That's an extra three match points. And they promoted. And again, away to Christ losing 15-12. You know, five games that they, they, they should have won three of them, definitely, if not all five. So it, it is really heartbreaking when you've when you've been following Tempe all season and you see some of these games. Mm. But you know, it is what it is, and fair play to them to you know think of it as a, a rebuilding kind of period. Um, I, it's looking good for the future. I think they, they're going to be disappointed not to go back up. But yeah, in terms of how's the future looking, future's looking quite good. You'd be quite positive at the end of this season, um, looking at, uh, at what comes next. Fishguard, on the other hand, you know that's a fish. It's always a difficult one with Fishguard, just in terms of recruiting players, holding on to players. They've lost a lot of young players to Krimich. Um Krimich have cherry picked a couple of the better Fishguard players coming through. So, you know, it's always we spoke to Sush at the start of the season and it was it was always gonna be a slim squad. There isn't a lot of depth in the squad, but the players they had at the top end of that squad were top notch players. Um I think they've announced two yeah, I think two of their uh, senior players have called it quits now at the end of the season as well. I forget what, who they were, but you know. That just puts further pressure on them. Well, everybody's got to retire at some point. But I think the pressure on Fishguard for next season now is how do you develop from within again? And and how do you retain those players to really compete with the likes of, of Tembi um, at the top of that table? Because that's, you know, the, the games against Tembi were close games. So I think Fishguard have... I've got it in them. Yeah. They've got a, a good solid 15, maybe even a good solid 22, but it's that squad around the outside of it where, you know, Tembi have probably got a squad of about 30, 33 um, of players who can interchange. So Fishguard are, are really kind of struggling down on 24, 25 players. And I think that's where they need to focus on for the future going forward and, and really boost that from within but and 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 this is the bit that Fishguard will suffer with and Pembroke have always suffered with is you you'll develop players up until 18 and then there's very little to hold them in the area and they'll get a job and they'll go elsewhere and they'll play somewhere else and and you know that's that's always been the struggle and will remain the struggle um so you know, there's not much they can do about that, but it's about developing a steady stream of, of young players to come through that isn't quite there at the minute for Fishguard. So So all we need is some more jobs in the area to try and keep these boys around. Essentially, yeah. You know, and but that's the way it's always been, you know. Um Pembroke has always relied on boys coming down to work in refinery and Fishguard always used to rely on boys coming down to work in um, uh, in the ferry terminals. You know, that's where, that's how Fishguard used to attract players. So now with those both suffering, um, 
yeah, holding players in the area is is really, really difficult. So it'll be interesting to see how they rebuild and how many young players they bring through from there. Because I know they've got young players ready to come through. It's whether or not those young players can come through in a way that kind of pushes on or whether they can just, you know, hold it for a couple of seasons before they push on. So interesting time next year for Fishguard. And then Milford Haven... You know, one off the bottom. Now, we haven't really spoken much about Milford this year because they've been bottom or thereabouts for most of the season. Um, But again, you know, they're doing all the right things. Uh, They've suffered over the last couple of years with a lot of um, the old employers in the area um, quitting. Uh, And I know they, they lost... In one season, they lost four junior coaches when um, golf closed. So, you know, they've had knock after knock. So to even still be doing what they're doing, they're doing well, sort of a thing. But they now need to kick on again and go up because you can't you can't be second from bottom and be happy with that from there. Well, at least it's not bought down. That's all we can say. But <laughs> you know, again, Milford, they you know they they beat Tembe at home. So mm. they, I I know it's a derby, but you know they they are capable. They have got boys here that can play. So yeah. it's it's just getting that consistency right, and you know hopefully we see something closer to mid table or even the top of echelons next season. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know they have got young players coming through. Um, they they took a couple of Pembroke players when things started going wrong. They've taken a couple of Harford West players and whatever. So, you know, I think the potential is here in Milford, but uh, uh, we shall see how that develops next season. So let's have a, a look down in 3 West. 3 West A. Three West Day, the Pembrokeshire League. It does feel like it, with the exception of Lampeter uh, and Aberaeron that are just bloody miles away. Um, yeah, it does feel a bit Pembrokeshire-esque. So Lampeter won the division with 104 points. They only lost one game all season. St. Clair's also promoted um, on 96 points in second. Um and when you look down, that's a, you know, fair play to, to St. Clair's. They've had a, a, a cracking season. And like I say, potentially at the expense of Whitland, you know, but they have sucked in a lot of players. St. Clair's, again, same as Crimach, were a junior, a junior league club or whatever it was called a couple of years ago. They're not an old club. They built this very much from, you know, from scratch. So the the St Clair's pitch, what what is now the St Clair's pitch used to be the school pitch in St Clair's, and that is where I played my very first game of rugby. So I I, I that was my uh, my very first game ever on that St Clair's pitch, and uh, three tries in my first game. I remember that really really well. As you would, wouldn't you? You, you can see the three tries on your own. That's that's a terrible bit. <laughs> Also, you just let him walk past it. Was a, it sounds right from the back, you know. Well, if I tell you that 
one of the tries that I scored in my very first game was from a five-yard scrum, but it was our ball on our own five-yard line. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, I had a telling off on my dad for uh, celebrating before he'd scored uh, on that one. So, uh, yeah, but they've done well to even, you know, build the club. And I think they've benefited, like I said, with the others have kind of got older structures and they literally started with nothing. Everything at St. Clair's has been built in the last 10 to 15 years. So the clubhouse, the changing rooms, the gym, uh, the car park, everything there has been built from scratch over the last kind of 10 to 15 years. And it's it's a really, really good setup. It really is good. Um, so I expect them to actually do really well in Division 2. I think they will be at the top end of Division 2 next year. Um, I don't see them struggling against some of those sides that are there. And I think they, they're going to go and shock a few people in that higher division again. So... Yeah, it. yeah, and we spoke about St. Clair's from the start of the season. They, they've got the coaching set up there. They, they have got some, some of the best coaches in the region. They've got some of the hub officers and the Scarlet, you know, academy coaches working with their team. So they've mm. got all that quality there. So yeah. So below St. Clair's, then we've got Aberaeron. Then Larn, then Haver West, then Nayland, then Cardigan, St. David's, Quinns, Langan, Flannabother, and Tregaron. And uh, Tregaron propping up the uh, bottom of the table. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a crazy finish to the season with, you know, people not fulfilling games and getting walkover points and, and what have you. So, you know, the last couple of weeks, I think. Pembroke.Quins have shipped 50 points three times in the last month. So it's been a, a bit of a crazy finish to the season. But if you were, you know, let's say Haverford West, you know, Haverford West, in theory, you know, the, the, the main town in Pembrokeshire. And if you're Haverford West, then you're looking at the likes of Narbeth and Tembe and, you know, even Sinclair's. Half and West should be putting those boys away comfortably. You know, just based on numbers, the amount of players, the system that they've got there, the facilities that they've got there is all set up. It's all, you know, it's a it's a good club. They've got good coaches. They've got a lot of people in the system. They've got uh, the gym. They've got, uh, you know, a fantastic ground. With You know, everything is there for Haverford West to kick on. And for whatever reason, they they haven't, you know, and they and barring a couple of really really good victories this year, you know, it's been a patchy season for them. Yeah, well, we, we spoke at the beginning of the season, and then you know, I I was back in Harford West for the league, you know, mm-hmm. just based off the the mini season from last year, and you know, from from day one, you know, they they lost their opening game, and it just they they recovered a bit, but they really haven't, you know, climbed back to the sort of level they were at. So, you know, again they're in a situation where they're looking at best of the rest. And it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting seeing how they fill this division up next season. 
just because they're left with what 10 teams you know what 10 team division is it's not you're not playing that many games over the season so mm. it, it 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 does baffle me a bit i like i know why they've split three west because of the the locations of the teams but it's it's going to be an awkward one filling both the leagues up actually and trying to make it work because I, I don't see 10 team leagues working, especially community level. They won games week in, week out. Mm. But then you look at how many games were delayed, how many games are postponed, and then how many games they had to finish at the at the end of the season. You know, and you think actually it's a 10 game, I know 10 game, uh, 10 home games in a season puts pressure on you financially. But then also your outgoings are less, and you can just focus on these are the games. You're more likely to fulfil those fixtures than in a twelve or fourteen team league. Do you know what I mean? It 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 does yeah. just become a bit easier. And there were some yeah. sides that having to play. You know, Burryport had to play three games in five days, didn't they? At, at one point. So, you know, there, there's a lot think, to be said for smaller leagues. Yeah, but I think the biggest issue is that every single club has they they haven't even haven't made a, a firm comment, but they've chirped in about is the fact that you're not they're not playing during internationals, like mm. not at all, and that that's eight weeks. You know, that's eight round of fixtures that they could be playing in, mm. whether it's on the Friday or earlier kickoffs on the Saturday or even on the Sunday, wherever. I think that's what they need to look at instead of you know condensing these leagues because you you condense them down and you might end up in the same scenario as you know we are by year with Aberaeron being you know miles out and then having to travel long distances every game mm-hmm. and you know at, at these levels you'd hope that you wouldn't have more than an hour's travel at most and that'd be your furthest game. But again, being down down here, down west, that's that's not always the easiest possible thing to uh, you know logistically organise. Mm. So that is something that does need looking at, and it's, it's just somehow m- making it time so that these teams have an opportunity to go forward without you know being held back just because of the location. Yeah. And that's why I was saying I think they need to look at the, the the structure of how we play the game as a whole. You know, how the, these sides should be massively integrated with, you know, the the county under-15s, the, you know, Scarlet's West, all of those sorts of things. So that those teams should be playing at some of these grounds and kind of sharing some of the love uh, around there. And... There's nothing, you know, through through the international period and, and what have you. Yeah, you don't want to be playing at the same time as the Scarlets. You know, do you, if you're if you're Pembroke Dock Quins, why can't you have fixtures that don't clash with Pembroke? So one of you is always at home. Yeah, and, and things like yeah. that. I know it's more difficult and it's not going to be perfect, but the more thought that is put into those kind of fixtures and those kind of games that kind of way of, of of approaching it the more likely it will be that actually these sides thrive you know 
it's uh, some some of these sides are you know scraping together to to keep going you know we, we know that times times are hard and times are tough for some of these players both in terms of recruiting players you know how you bring players through from your junior section and this is always going to be you know the the easiest thing to to do is to not spend money on your junior section and as sides have found out that have done that that bites you on the backside pretty hard in a couple of years time it really does and it's a hard battle to then re-establish a youth team or an under 16s or an under 14s or whatever it is you know and then bringing players through into the first team so yeah there's a lot of work to do there's a lot of work to do from the wiu there's a lot of work to do from the clubs um but you know all in all uh, i think you know, Sinclair's could be happy with the season, and I think everybody else will look at that season. I think St David's have probably overperformed this year. I think they they they'll be quite happy with this season. Hey, don't be saying that. This is this I is the base, yeah. <laughs> They're gonna go further. You know, they, I, they're gonna be competing for the title next season, man. Same as Langham. I St David's again, just a small, uh, a small little village on the uh, on the very tip just before you fall into the sea and you know fair play to them they, they put a lot of effort into that club that club is very much the heart of the town you know uh, or the village uh, a lot of stuff work around there that there's always events going on at the club and it's always integrated into the town you know it's it's it knows where it is. It's got its identity, and it's it's very much integrated into the town. Even though it's a little bit just outside, it pulls lots of people and lots of events to the club. And I think it's a lesson that can probably be learned by other clubs that you don't sit back on your laurels and go, you know, this is this. I've I've heard of a club, a, a rugby club turning away uh, birthday parties this year because it was on a Saturday night and they wanted to use the the, the area uh, for overflow to the home game. And you're like, well, no, actually, no. No, you've got your, you've got your home supporters, put them in the club, and if somebody wants to use your club as a party venue on a Saturday night, then you put the two on and it's because it brings people into the club and actually some of the people that go to that party on that Saturday night might have a, a chat with some of the people about uh, uh, playing, you know, rugby and they might go, Oh yeah, you know, um, yeah, my son's looking to play or, you know, I fancy a game and all that. Do you know what I mean? That's how you integrate yourself into the club, uh, into the, into the town. But I just think we've lost that and, the one place that I know for definite that has got it is St. David's and they've worked really, really hard. So hats off to St. David's this year. Um, I think it'll be a, uh, a really good, I, I think they've overperformed, but I think they might overperform next year as well. I genuinely do. So the side that I know have underperformed, the Quins. So I spoke to the Quins. I think it might have been the very first pod that we did. I spoke to the Quins. Um, young team, 
lots of, of younger players coming through. It's can you hold on to those players for another two seasons while they become senior players and everything to do with Pembroke Dock wins is about can you hold the players in the area? Uh, so, you know, and that's jobs and that's money and that's, you know, Pembroke will be looking for players now. Tembi will be looking for players now. You know, can you hold on to that side long enough to develop them into a good side? And then propping up the Pembrokeshire lot is Langham, mate. Our favourite. Yeah, so- well, they've got a, a brilliant, brilliant youth team coming through. So really, really hoping that all of those boys stay with the club for at least a couple of seasons and that, you know, they integrate well into seniors and, you know, they bring some of some of that millennium magic, you know, in, into the club. And, you know, uh, you can only see things getting better if that's the case. And it, it's, like you said, with a lot of clubs, it's, you know, being a small one in the area, historically players go elsewhere. Mm. It's just a case of trying to keep them and, you know, Having a having a good junior setup and mini years and youth is is the way to try and do that. Mm. And well, we all know Langham got the youth setup. It's just keeping these boys at the club. You know, three wins out of a twenty-two game season is quite poor. You know, so they're gonna want to improve on that. You know, e- even if it's a case of let's get six wins next season. You know, make make a realist. You know, you can put yourself up a target. Let's say we want to win all our home games, but you know, you want to have your more realistic of let's say let's say we want to win six games next season and see how we go. Mm. And again, you know, Langham is very much a part of the village, and it is attract. It's starting to attract players from outside the village again, which is something it hasn't done for a long time. So the potential is there, and like you say, with the youth team as well, it may be the opportunity that they need to just kind of springboard forward. So fingers crossed for Langham for next season. That might be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how everything rejigs itself, how the, the league sits. And, you know, is the community game starting late as well or is the community game starting as normal and playing through the World Cup? Well, I know that the Premiership is starting in September, so I would imagine everything else will be as well. Hmm. I, that's, I, I can't see why the community game wouldn't continue through the World Cup. It makes sense for them to to kind of go through the World Cup, doesn't it? It's, it's one of those things. Right, okay, so that's the community game done. Then we've got a couple of issues that will hang over for us to discuss through the year, uh, through the summer. So let's let's talk Scarlet for a second. Um, and I think our main problem with the Scarlet this week is there's nothing to discuss again. What's your what's your thoughts yeah. on that? I'm 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 getting really really disappointed. You know we're we're on Tuesday now. It's it's coming up to one o'clock lunchtime, and normally by twelve o'clock any news on the day would be out. And the fact that nothing's out again today is just so annoying. I mean, I know there's things being confirmed that are ready to be announced. They're just not being announced. 
mm. and I, I want to tell the world, but you know, I really can't. Like, there's an there's an interesting fixture, you know, coming up uh, in the middle of September for us, and just the the thing with you know, getting our coaches, our coaching team finalised and announced. So uh, as far as I've been told, and I know that that's all done and dusted behind the scenes. It's mm. just a case of it just hasn't been announced. So it's just really irritating not having anything to go on. And this is the time of year where, you know, things are normally done and dusted by now and we forget about rugby. You know, we can move on to the cricket season or the internationals in the summer, but we're still here talking about the club and, and what our coaching side is going to look like, what our what our actual squad is going to be made up of, because there's still X amount of signings to be made. So mm. it's, it's really frustrating the way just hearing nothing constantly. And it's it's weird because players get a good kind of chunk off through the summer. They they disappear and, you know, go and relax, go and have your eight weeks break or whatever. But a lot of the coaching, a lot of the admin and all of those kind of things, it's not the same for them. They 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 are still there. They are, you know, prepping next season. They are, you know, assessing what's what and and doing their education side and, and what have you. So yeah, it's it's not the excuse of, you know, well, we're on holiday or whatever. It doesn't really fit with um with that. So yeah, I'm a bit disappointed as well, knowing that there's stuff that should be announced, knowing that you know, we could be doing stuff, knowing that we could be interviewing players and discussing stuff with players and, and having a nice little chit-chat through the summer. So, yeah, that's a bit disappointing for me that we haven't had the stuff that we were expecting. But then news is, is broken about, uh, so this is yesterday, about Oil for Wales as well. So Oil for Wales pulling out not pulling out suspending their involvement with the game including their financial commitments so obviously main uh, shirt sponsor but they also do a lot with local clubs particularly in the west so yeah you know that's all wiu orientated but what what do you make of that matt well uh I've actually spoken well, not recently, but a few years ago, I was looking for sponsorship for my. I was coaching sevens, eights, and I was looking for sponsorship for new kit because I was, was terrible. And Oil for Wales were the ones that came through with it. And obviously, Colin likes to handle those things himself. Colin, no head of Oil for Wales, he likes to do all that stuff himself. Mm. He likes to talk. To, he likes to talk to the people involved, and even then. He, he was saying that, you know, they get inundated with sponsorship requests all the time. It's not even, you know, one or two a day. It, it's dozens. And so, obviously, they can't help everyone. So, I was just really thankful he helped us. But when I was speaking to him, one thing that he, he did say is that he, he, does, he doesn't mind helping out. He actually loves helping out. He loves being able to do it, just, to, you know, just seeing the kids play and whatever. But Facts are, most of his sponsorship requests are for things like balls and equipment and kits. And he was a bit pissed off then that the WIU were not given the support for these things. Mm. So, you know, and that was that was like two and a half years ago now. So imagine being pissed off at that point 
and now everything that has happened recently. And, you know, it's, it's no surprise that, you know, they they think they put their money into a, a you know, an endless hole, essentially. And mm. I I can see it. Like, I'm, I'm glad that they've said, they've openly stated that any current commitments they are seeing through. So, you know, there's no immediate worry. Mm. It's just, you know, a, a lot of work for, you know, backroom staff and whatever, especially the Scarlets. But it, it is a case of it's WRU focused, you know, issues. You know, it's, it's what can we really do? You know, we can't do nothing. Mm. It's all down to those people in bloody in Cardiff, in bloody Hensol, wherever they are, and they just don't want to do anything really that benefits the game. It's like. They give four thousand a year to most of these community clubs, and then if you need extra money, you've got to go through all these grants processes. I mean, yeah, you've got to go community you, grant, yeah. Yeah, if you if you want to set up a minis or juniors, I mean, just to get one started, you're talking a grand per age grade just to get everything in and going. You know, mm. your kit, your equipment, everything like that, and then it's it's probably a good few hundred, maybe even five hundred, depending on what you need a season to keep it running, mm. and you're giving these teams four grand to run 10 mini and junior sides, a youth side and a senior side. It's not going to go that far. Mm. Four grand, barely, I don't even think four grand covers a bloody senior squad anymore because the the amount that everything costs is it's just stupid. Oh, there is no money being given by, you know, by the union and they have the money there to spend. They just don't want to spend it, which is mm. the biggest frustration of all. But I think it, it's I think so. There's two points with this that this is what the WRU need to tell them to pull their finger out. They they need the people with the money to say right, the checkbook's closed and we're not doing anything until you do this, this, and this. You know, and and I think that's the only way that the WRU. You know, some of the heat has come off the WRU the last couple of weeks. You know, end of the season and and what have you. And everyone's starting to think about World Cup and, and and things like that. So that pressure has come off and it's not in the headlines anymore. It's all kind of calmed down. So now you need the people with the money to say, right, okay, my money is still here, but I'm not doing anything with it until you sort your game out. And and that maintains the pressure on the WIU. Because, you know, that those are conversations that would have gone on behind the scenes and the WIU would have been aware of that. And they will have been threatened with it, and they've done nothing. And he's gone, like, okay, well, I'll go public. You know, I'll, I'll tell the world because you're not doing what you need to do, boys. Uh, and I support him on it. Actually, I do. I, I think, you know, he's right as a as a as a sponsor to the game. He's right to say, you know, that's my choice to put the money into the game. I'm not obligated to put my money into the game. I can go and do other things elsewhere with my money. So. If you want my money, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do to, you know, ease my money coming into the game. And the WIU then are in it well, or clubs are in a position where they can go, okay, this is what we'll do. And the second part of this is I think it's a a wake-up call. And I've been saying this to clubs for such a long time. I'm banging my head against a brick wall that, you you cannot just be a rugby club anymore. 
that's your that's your core that's your main bit that you do but you have to have other bits that go around the outside that bring money into the game you know you you could now okay with a way with a very very small setup now you could set up your own youtube channel okay where you could do podcasts and interviews like this through the week and then you could broadcast your own game on your own um youtube channel at the end end of each week you know you could broadcast that you could broadcast your juniors your minis your youth you could put all of that on your youtube channel people would watch yeah people would watch people who support your club would watch from far away or whatever and that generates you advertising income from people that you've got no idea yeah but these things are all there for clubs to do stuff with it just takes a couple of people are within that club to go right this this is we need to do things differently now and there aren't enough of those people in the club and the reason there aren't enough people in this club is because they get fed up really quickly and they go do you know what i, I don't need to spend my time here i'm i'm gonna go do this elsewhere same as i've done but do you know what i'm gonna go do other stuff within the rugby world i don't need to come and put up with this week after week after week of banging my head against the brick wall to get you to see sense so you know, we, we need to really start thinking about the whole of rugby in Wales as one great big package, everything from under sevens, primary schools, secondary schools, colleges, through to academies, through to youth teams, through to, you know, second teams, senior teams, professional teams. There needs to be a coordinated plan that's got all of this stuff in and everybody knows this is what I need to do, and this is how I, I can go forward. This is the support I'm going to get. This is what I like to do, and this is how I go forward. So, yeah, I think it might. It's going to be one of those watershed seasons, and over the next couple of years, we'll see things really, really changing, and we, we'll see sides like St Clair's just come from nowhere and you know get stuff right, go on and say to people, right, this is how you do it, guys. You know, we, we'll see t- sides like. St. David's and Langham, who tiny, tiny little places got no business having a rugby team whatsoever, actually starting to thrive because they're part of the community. So that's that's what I'm hoping is going to happen over the next couple of seasons. But something's got to change definitely on that. Anyway, that's uh, I, I've gone on far too long about um, <laughs> about what could and and couldn't happen and all of that kind of stuff so rather than uh rather than carrying on droning on this week Bart, because well, that's what it is um what we'll do is next week we'll we'll do our kind of season review and i think what would be good is if we could get a couple of uh a couple of uh, a bit of input from other supporters so what we're looking at for next year is player of the season and 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 why um our breakthrough player of the season and and reasons behind it i think the moment of the season that one bit of the season where something happened that turned it or you remember or whatever um most entertaining player of the season and most entertaining 
game of the season. So, I mean, there's so much there through this. It's it's been such an up and down. So, well, it's been a down and up season more than an up and down season. Yeah. Um, but I think even even in those down games, you know, there were moments in those games where we learned something about ourselves as 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 a rugby team, as a as rugby players. So there's loads to talk about with that next week. So yeah. Let's do that next week. We'll 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 wrap up for today and we'll put some stuff out on social media and let's get your player of the season, your moment of the season, your breakthrough player and your entertaining moment of the season. And that's what we'll discuss next week, mate, because there's no community game next week. Definitely no community game. We're all done with community game for next week. And we'll we'll do our Scarlet's review of the season next week. How's that sound? Uh, it sounds a bit disappointing, if I'm honest, knowing that all rugby has officially come <laughs> to an end. We, are, we, are, what do we, we had the Premiership final this weekend, Slander redoing Cardiff over in Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Upper Drovers, come on. <laughs> Uh, we had the European final, which was uh, a cracking watch, in all fairness. And mm-hmm. it's the, the URC final now this Saturday. So that this is literally the Same. end of club rugby for the 22-23 season. And, you know, there's a tear in my eye. I, I don't want it to end. <laughs> it's all those Haribos you've been eating, mate. They're doing, the chemicals are doing something there to, to, to your eyes. I've only had one pack. I, I, I've just been, I've been sat here and like, I, I didn't want to open them because you made a comment the first time I opened one saying that uh, your, your headset almost exploded off your head. It did. You opened it right oh, next to your mic. It was it was like a firework going off in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, man. I didn't, I didn't know it was that close to him, man. Uh, so hopefully you will have finished all of your Haribos before next week. And uh, we'll catch up next week, mate. And we'll do the same thing all over again, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Oh, great stuff. Hopefully we'll have a bit of news by then as well. Although I'm not holding up much hope. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see for next week. Mate, have a good week. And I shall catch up with you next week. All the best, Matt. And you, Matt. All of it. All the You have been listening to the Westerer is Besterer podcast from the Scarlet Supporters PEMS team. You can follow us on Twitter on Scarlet PEMS, find us on Facebook with Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire, or email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. And remember, West is best, but Westerer is Besterer. Cheers. Podcast Network.